Let's turn to Luke chapter 19. And we're looking at some of the different encounters that Jesus had with people. Some of those encounters end just in physical healing. You say, well, that sounds pretty good, but it ends there. But some go on to see the person finding Christ not only has the power to heal the body, but also save a person's eternal soul. For the healing at the Pool of Bethesda, there's no indication that the paralyzed man was saved, only that he was healed. And in the account of ten lepers that we, we saw, the message titled, Where are the Nine? Now, we only have the indication that that one who is a Samaritan really turned back and gave thanks and gave glory to God that he was actually converted. Well, this section today is on Zacchaeus. Uh, the title, A Tax Collector Meets Jesus. Now, last week, we looked at the healing of the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus was the one who came to the man and asked him if he wanted to be made whole. Well, if you look at the last verse in our text today, Luke chapter 19, we'll be looking at the first 10 verses. And if you look down at, to see how the text ends in verse 10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. We see that same compassionate heart of Jesus seeking people. These encounters that we read about in the, in the scriptures, uh, the Lord is seeking people, and he still does today. The encounter with Zacchaeus takes place when Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This is the last time of the three-year public ministry, earthly ministry, we might say, of Christ, as he goes to Jerusalem. And so this will be the time where he dies on the cross for the sins of the world. Let's look at verses four, 1 through 4, and we'll read about the man. Now, because of the song that we sang as children, I'm sure that if I were to ask, what do you know about Zacchaeus, most of you would answer, he was a wee little man, right? <laughs> and that's true, because verse 3 says he was little of, of stature. But let's learn something more about Zacchaeus as we go through the text. Verse 1, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. Not Republicans, publicans. Okay? And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Let's notice, first of all, the place where Zacchaeus lived. The city was Jericho. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, right through the streets of the city. Jericho was believed to be one of the oldest cities of the world. It was known in the Old Testament as the City of Palms. The natural springs in Jericho made an oasis in the middle of the surrounding desert. It was located about 10 miles northwest of the Dead Sea. And if you've been there, you know that's a dry and desolate place. 15 miles from Jerusalem. The caves of Qumran that they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in. And they're preserved well because of the dry and arid climate and the heat there. Qumran is, is just six miles south of Jericho. Jericho was the first city that the Israelites conquered when they entered into the Promised Land. 
Remember, they marched around it six days, and on the seventh day, they marched seven times. They were quiet all the time. The ram's horns would blow on those six days. But on the seventh day, the ram's horn blew, and they all shouted, and God brought the walls down. That was the same Jericho. It was strategically located as a border city. It was the crossroads of travel in the Middle East. When Jesus was going through the city on this day, Jericho had a population of at least 100,000. Among those 100,000, there was a man named Zacchaeus who needed to be saved. Jesus had a reason for going through Jericho. G. Campbell Morgan says, He need not have gone through Jericho. There were other ways. But when he went through Jericho, and the only incident recorded is the story of Zacchaeus, I have no doubt the reason of his going was the finding of this man. Jesus is always interested in individuals. He died for the sins of the world. But I guarantee, as you sit here today, he's interested in you. He knows you. He has time for you. He died for you. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. There he'd be crucified. That's why he came to earth. He came to die for sinners. And here is a man who is one of those sinners. Aren't you glad Jesus left heaven to earth? He came to die for you personally so that you could know him as your Savior. I also think, as we think about these encounters with Christ, there is an obligation that we have. If we're going to be like Jesus, oh, to be like thee, was sung, then we need to have the same kind of a compassion. We need to see others. We need to have encounters on a day-to-day basis. And let's pray that God will use us in those encounters like he did Jesus. The prospect that he had, this was the day that Zacchaeus would see Jesus. Verse 3 says, and he sought to see Jesus who he was. You know, a lot of people are curious about Jesus. They see what goes on in churches. Sometimes they see a radically changed person. They, they meet them at a high school reunion. Aren't you the same? What happened to you? You know. Well, he was brought to this recognition that he needed to see the one, and, and he's being followed by this huge crowd. Others must have heard and seen the commotion. And you know how crowds are. People join. They want to know what's, what's happening. Who is that we're following? Zacchaeus probably heard of the miracles that Jesus had done, the feeding of the multitudes, the healing, maybe even the raising of Lazarus. But no matter how much Zacchaeus was interested in seeing Jesus, Jesus was more interested in seeing him. Let's look at the position he held. It says that he was chief among the publicans, a leader of the tax collectors of Rome. The Romans set up tax centers at busy intersections of travel. That's where Matthew was when the Lord called him to be a disciple. These taxes were used to to finance the Roman army. They were used for Herod's building projects. He's well known for all of those, his palace, the temple in Jerusalem, Masada, uh, the city of Caesarea at Maritime, just fascinating building programs that he did. This is how it was funded. The chief publicans were chosen from among the higher class of citizens, and they were allowed to subcontract uh, the, the job of collecting taxes among the lower classes of society. 
And so there are many levels of, of money changing hands, and it was easy, easy for that money to be pocketed. Extortion by tax collectors was common. And they had the protection of Rome. The Jews hated the publicans. They didn't allow publicans to testify in a court of law. They weren't allowed to worship in the temple. The Talmud says that it was okay to lie to three kinds of people. Murderers, thieves, and publicans. <laughs> and the Jews especially despised those that were Israelites working for Rome to collect taxes from other Israelites. Gabeline says... They looked upon them as miserable hirelings of the Roman government who had put themselves under the control of the Gentile rule and helped in subduing the land and the people, their own land and their own brethren. The tax gatherers were therefore considered apostates. Warren Wiersbe writes, The name Zacchaeus means righteous one. But this supervisor of tax collectors was not living up to his name. Certainly the Jewish religious community in Jericho would not have considered him righteous. For he not only collected taxes from his own people, but also worked for the unclean Gentiles. It says in the text in verse 2 at the end, that he, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was a rich person. They always say, follow the money. How did he get it? Well, by his own admission, to repay taxes after he's converted... It's clear that he had overcharged people for those taxes. What was his problem? Well, he wanted to see who Jesus was. Geldenhaus says he no doubt was moved by curiosity, but probably also by a deep yearning to see for himself this Jesus who acted so sympathetically towards so many of his fellow publicans. He was unable to get a good view because of the crowd surrounding Christ. The crowd was larger than usual, possibly because they were headed to Jerusalem for the Passover. He had a hard time seeing because of his size. He was little of stature. One author says, for Zacchaeus to be short by ancient Mediterranean standards, it probably meant that he was less than five feet tall. Look at his persistence, though. It says, he ran before or ahead of Jesus and the mob who were following him. He climbed a tree in order to see him. The sycamore tree is, uh, that's mentioned here is the Egyptian fig. It has large leaves like a mulberry tree. Some even call it a fig mulberry. It has large branches that spread out, and many of them are low to the ground, making it a very easy climb. This would have been... Pretty humorous for others to watch. In fact, as I was looking through the passage and reading more about it this week, I found myself smiling and almost laughing as, as I thought of this man, Zacchaeus, running and climbing a tree. Um, but it would have been humbling for him. You know, I don't think he was really concerned about what other people thought. He wanted to see Jesus. Warren Wearsby says, In the East, it's unusual for a man to run especially a wealthy government official. Yet Zacchaeus ran down the street like a little boy following a parade. 
and he even climbed a tree. Curiosity is certainly characteristic of most children, and Zacchaeus was motivated by curiosity that day. John Martin, in the Bible Knowledge Commentary, writes this, Luke may have been presenting Zacchaeus' action as a commentary on Jesus' words that unless people became like little children, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> Let's look at the encounter, verses 5 through 7. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully, that is, received Christ joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to, the, to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Jesus sought Zacchaeus. Notice four words that take place showing the Lord's interest in Zacchaeus. Jesus came to the place. He came right to the exact spot where Zacchaeus was, was watching. Aren't you glad that Christ comes? He sees us in our need. He knows that we're desirous to come to him and he meets us there. It says Jesus looked up. He knew that this short man was going to be up in that tree that day. He stopped, he looked up. He not only knew that, of course God's omniscient, but it always amazes me as I read through this story. It says he looked up, he came to the place, he looked up, he saw him, he said to him. Okay? So he looked up, he saw, and I can't help but think that their, their eyes met, their gaze met. He, he knows all about us. Have you seen him face to face? Have your eyes met his? Have you had that precious time in your devotion time where you know you're in the presence of the Lord? Nothing like it. Jesus saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, I must abide at thy house. He called him by name. That's an amazing statement. With all the people in Jericho, Jesus, how, how, how would he have known well, he's omniscient. Jesus called out Zacchaeus. And just as he knew his name and everything about him, he knows yours. He knows everything about you. Nothing is hidden from him. Omniscient. You say, well, he has more time. He, he's got to be more interested in other people. I'm nothing. He knows you. And he is interested in you. Jesus asked him to come down. And when Jesus calls, he expects a person to respond some way. Zacchaeus could have said, no, no, not today. But notice what he did. He came down, he made haste, he did exactly what the Lord had asked him to do. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. There is a note of urgency in this invitation as he says, make haste. Don't delay, don't put it off. This is something that, this is your opportunity now. You know a Bible verse like that? Well, now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Don't put it off if you've been delaying. We also see the immediacy of the invitation in the words, for today. There's a specific result that's intended from this invitation. I must abide at thy house. Not only is he going to see Jesus, Jesus is going to come to his house. Invitations are usually for people to come over to your house, aren't they? Jesus invited himself because 
He knew Zacchaeus' heart and what his need was. He doesn't enter uninvited, but he comes to those in need. Wearsby says, Zacchaeus became the guest in his own house, for Jesus now was his master. He was ready to obey the Lord and do whatever was necessary to establish a genuine testimony before the people. So Zacchaeus, as I said, responded. He did exactly what Jesus had said for him to do. He made haste. He came down. Someone said curiosity carried him up, but love brought him down. (laughs) And he received Christ, and notice what it says, joyfully. And here's that first evidence that I know Zacchaeus was a a, a Christian, was, was being converted on this day. There's great joy when you know your sins are forgiven, when you know you've come to the Savior. There's joy in heaven over the sinner that repents. There's joy in the presence of the angels of God, it says. So not only do the angels rejoice, God is rejoicing. And certainly there's joy in the the heart of the person who knows his sins are forgiven, and Christ is now his Savior. The people murmured. Isn't that the way people are? The word murmuring there is grumbling, complaining. He's going to be the guest of a sinner. (laughs) Geldenhaus writes, Among the Jews it was an unheard of thing for a rabbi or any other religious leader to lower himself, in their eyes, pollute himself by staying at the house of a publican. You remember, they hated the publicans. How differently Jesus looks at people. May that be the way we look at people. Stop looking at the exterior. Start seeing the world as Christ sees them, as people who need to be saved. There are things that uh, Zacchaeus does here that show a changed life. You know, the Lord already had a reputation of, of eating with sinners. And back in Luke 15, a few chapters earlier, The Pharisees and the scribes were murmuring, same word, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And that's when Jesus went into this parable about three lost things. He told about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And at the end, he was comparing the older brother who didn't want his brother having a fuss made over him. Because of his sinful lifestyle, Jesus was comparing them to the Pharisees, him to the Pharisees. They're just like him. And he says there should be joy over one sinner that repents. In verses 8 through 10, we see the changed life of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, this is in his house now, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have taken away, if I have taken away anything, uh, anything from any man by false accusation, that means by, by defrauding them or by overcharging them, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Again, there are things that are evidences in the passage that Zacchaeus is genuinely saved. A saved person not only is joyful, as we saw earlier, a saved person wants to make things right with others. He knew this was the thing that I need to do. 
I've been stealing from people. I need to make restitution for that. This was the right thing by the Old Testament law. And again, Zacchaeus, by his name and by this reference of him being a, a, a child of Abraham, uh, show that he was, he was Jewish. And so he knows by the Old Testament law this was what you're supposed to do. There are different percentages that are given in the Old Testament about how to make restitution for theft. And Zacchaeus chose to give half of everything he owned to the poor and repay fourfold what he had overcharged. He was doing more than the law required. He didn't repay his overtaxation so that God would see that he was a good person and he would save him. He repaid to show that he was already saved. The Lord had already done the work in his heart. Now these are the, these are the evidences. They, they're not the cause of salvation. And don't ever read that into this text. We're not saved by anything that we do. But salvation will affect what we do. So he repays them. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says, Jesus' words, today salvation has come to this house, did not imply that the act of giving to the poor had saved Zacchaeus, but that his change in lifestyle evidenced his right relationship before God. He was letting this decision be made public after salvation. The statement was probably made uh, at Jesus, at, 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 as Jesus was leaving at his very doorstep. I think this is a public declaration of his intended desire to live a changed life. Many of you listen to J. Vernon McGee, uh, he being dead yet speaketh on the radio or on the internet. And McGee writes this, and I can almost hear his voice so, so distinctive as I read the quote. Note that Zacchaeus did not come to the door and say, I want to give my testimony. Rather, he said, half my goods I'll give to the poor, and I'll make right the things that have been wrong. By this, I know he's been converted. And friend, this is the only way the world will know that you are converted. They do know, or they do not know it by testimony. They know it only by what they see in your life. If you are not if it were not for his changed life, I would never know that this old publican got converted. In verse 9, Jesus makes the statement revealing the fact that salvation had come to, to his house. And that, that wording shows that not only was Zacchaeus a believer saved because of this occasion, but also his whole household professed faith and became Christians. He was a publican and also the son of Abraham. But his, his nationality didn't mean that he was saved. He was saved like everyone else is, by faith. No one is saved because of his race or because of what he's accomplished in life or because of his wealth. We all come to Christ as sinners, totally lost, undeserving of God's grace. And now he's become a spiritual son of Abraham as well. You can read in Romans 9, uh, six and seven about uh, uh, being a, uh, not an Israelite who are really of Israel. It's possible to be an Israelite and not be a child of God is what he's saying. And Zacchaeus now has become both. He's still an Israelite but now he's a completed uh, 
Jew. He is now converted, saved. Geldenhaus says, Whosoever accepts Jesus wholeheartedly in his life and becomes personally acquainted with him receives real salvation, a salvation which brings about an effective and practical revolution in his life inwardly and outwardly. When Jesus comes into a person's life and gains authority there, selfishness and dishonesty are irresistibly eradicated. We find in that last verse, verse 10, the intent of Jesus to come to earth. Why did he come? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Today, Jesus is still seeking the lost. Genuinely saved people are going to have real joy. Their sins are forgiven. Our eternity in heaven has been promised. Genuine salvation produces change. Takers become givers. Angry people become loving people. Timid become bold in their witness. Jesus radically transforms lives. Have you been saved? Are you living a transformed life? May we be more like Jesus in our witness to others. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this story of Zacchaeus. Not a story just here for children, but for each of us. And there's so much here that teaches us how to be more like Christ. I pray that we will have joy in our salvation, that there will be a difference in the way that we live, that others would notice it, that we would notice it in our own lives and realize it's only by your grace. And I pray that you'd help us as we have encounters with others, even this week, that we'll say the right words, we'll live the right kind of life as they are watching the radical transformation that grace can, can provide in a life. So I pray today, whatever decision needs to be made in each heart here, that you would, your spirit would, would move and would speak. And that we would obey as Zacchaeus came down immediately and did what you asked him to do. May we do the same. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.